0: Give Harikom! Okay? Okay. <laughs> Guys, that's such a joy to be here. So as Ray said, I'm Danny. Danny from Brazil. And I'm married to Danny, also from Brazil. <laughs> so um, it's a gift from God. So um yeah. So then I have here with me Filipe, Adri, and Pachi that are also uh, part of what we've been doing here. So Filipe and Adri. Filipe, it's like my nephew. Uh, And then Adri, as married to him, kind of, I don't know, became, kind of was forced to, but like uh, she's in it. So, and then it's such a joy, guys, to be here with you. So as Ray said, I came from Brazil I'm part of YWAM, which stands for Youth with a Mission. And I came with a very clear purpose to this country, which is to share the love of Jesus Christ everywhere. Hallelujah. Amen. So my accent, is a little bit weird. That's fine. So if you want, I can even sing a song. So then you can turn up to my song. Does that work? So let's sing like that. I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back. Because I want to see my Jesus someday. Are you shy? I've got my mind made up. And I won't come back. Because I want to see my Jesus someday. Hallelujah! So, God is good. Um, before I just get to the scriptures, I just want to share like some of the things that we do here. We do believe that we came to this nation to serve and to love these people. So um, then we have a few ministries which are happening in Hind Bahrain. So I want to talk about three of them. So, And if you do feel in your heart that you should come and be part of one of these three ministries, you are more than welcome to help us to serve and love these people. So first we have a community center in Budaya right besides the big mosque, all the way down the road. So we get, like, we are there three times a week. Now it's two, actually, because now we started something new in Hamatown. So then every Monday and Wednesday, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., if you'd like to come to help us, we are there helping the kids. So they have recreation, they have English, they have art and crafts, they have martial arts. And they have tutoring. So maybe you have a skill that you could come and serve. And then maybe you just can give one hour. That is more than enough. Maybe during your week you have a packed and busy week. But you can come for one hour. And then you can say, Dan, I can come and I can help with English or tutoring or whatsoever. From 4 to 5 p.m. every Wednesday. That will be great. Just be Ready? Because community kids, they are fun. (laughs) They are something else. (laughs) These guys, they're like, oh, Lord. So, but if you want to come and help, just come ready. Have a good rest before you come. But come with a lot of joy, a lot of patience. Okay? So then we have that every uh, Monday and Wednesday. We also, we give support to one specific institute that's called Bahrain Mobility Institute in Isatown. So, if you do have the heart to go and help and support kids, and not just kids, but adults as well with disabilities, so twice a week, the guys go there to just hang out with them, to play and to talk and to sing songs, to play games, So, in the evenings, like in the mornings, the people that go in the mornings, they are, like, skilled to do all this work that has to be done with these guys. So, but um, if you sing, if you like playing cards, whatever you want to do, just go talk to these guys, just talk to Felipe, and that will be amazing. So, and the third thing, we help people that are in distress in the country, people that sometimes uh, have been like abused by the sponsors or are facing really complicated situations at jails and prisons and then so on. So then we help these guys to kind of get out of those situations. So then if you do want to be involved or want to know more about it, come talk to me. And the last and not the least project, we have a big project, which it's called John Project. And the idea of this project is to bring the gospel everywhere in the arabic peninsula if you want to know more about that so then you have to come and talk to me and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it and please if you want to talk to me the best place to talk about those kind of things it's around food (laughs) all right around food not expensive ones though well like cheap food we can go and we can talk and we can have fun about it all right okay let's go to the scriptures so today i want to talk about two specific gifts Two gifts that are granted to us. And my question is, what have we done with those gifts which we have? And then for that, I just want to set a foundation which is going to be in the book of John. And when we think about the book of John, we have to have an understanding that when the book of John was written, the church was growing so much. And there was a lot of questions and struggle for the people to understand Who the person of Jesus is. They were facing a huge conflict trying to understand who Jesus is. They heard a lot of things about Jesus. They heard a lot of things about what Jesus had done. But they were like, how come can this guy that we see in flesh and blood be God? It's so complicated. And then even the disciples remember when they were walking with Jesus. At some point, Philip, he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus... Make it easy for us. Just show us the Father. That will make things so much easier. Of course he didn't say this way, right? <laughs> but like, I'm just like, I don't know, dramatizing. <laughs> so then he goes and he says, it's going to be so much easier. And Jesus says, haven't you just walked with me all this way? It was complicated. And when I talk to my brothers and sisters and my cousins and my friends here in this country, we always come to this specific subject. And I want to talk about this amazing Jesus. So, when we do Bible studies, we have like one specific method that is called the inductive method of studying the Bible. It's pretty simple. But most of the time we get one book and we try to find like the verses or the verse that will summarize the whole book. So, as People that were struggling so much to understand who the person of Jesus is. We look and then we see that John was written towards people that were really struggling with that. So the purpose of the book of John is really to show people that Jesus is the son of the living God and he's God himself. That is the purpose of the book. And then you say, Daniel, but how do you know that that is the purpose of the book? Who told you it's the purpose of the book? So which kind of school you went that told you that? So actually it wasn't a school. It was John chapter 20 verse 30. It says it right there. Uh, John uh, 20, it says, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of these disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in His name. So then this specific verse, it's basically the summary of the whole book of John. The whole book of John. So, let's open our Bibles now in John chapter 4. Now we go... To the message. That was just like to set up the field. John chapter 4. You might know that story. And, but there is some things in here that I believe it's too precious for us to be reminded. Maybe everything that I'm going to be saying here this morning, you already know. Maybe not, nothing new. But it's going to be a good Reminder. That is going to get us excited. That is going to get us joyful. That it's going to get us to a place that we leave this place with our hearts fired up, thinking, Lord, all of those around me, they must know how amazing that is to serve a God like you. And then we go, wow, like that. So, in that story, we read. We're going to read um, in this first beginning. Chapter four from verse one, which says, now when Jesus learned that Pharisees had heard that Jews was making, that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciple, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sica. Near the fields that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means at noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciple had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So, Lord, I pray. Would you bless us this morning with your word, guide us, direct us, teach us that your Holy Spirit may fill this place. And may your Holy Spirit really be the one that's going to be directing us as we go through your word, as we study your word. So, Father, be in our midst. Be in this place. Talk to us. Fill our hearts with joy and excitement of knowing that uh, that we know you and you saved us and you just... You are such an amazing God. So thank you Lord. Amen. So what I want like the the verse. That I want to focus this morning. It's basically this one. When Jesus comes to this lady. In a very weird. And complicated situation. In a very different situation. Which a lot of us I believe. We can relate to. And then. He comes to her. Ask water. She kind of. Complains and says, how come are you going to ask me? So look who you are. Look who I am. She was a little bit not that happy with that specific situation. And then Jesus turns to her and says, if you knew the gift of God. If you only knew the gift of God. And We can see two things here. One, she had no idea about the gift. Two, she had no idea who she was talking to. She had no idea about the gift and she had no idea about who she was talking to. And when we look deep in the scriptures about this specific verse, the gift, the word gift that is used here, it's not the same word that is used, for instance, in 1 Corinthians or in the book of Romans. It's not talking about the gifts that are faculties. It's not talking about gifts that were granted to you in order for you to display God's glory. This specific gift here are only found in the scriptures 11 times. In all the 11 times, this specific gift is talking about the gift of salvation. That only Jesus himself can give to somebody. This gift, it's not a kind of gift that I can give to you. I cannot. I can talk to you about this gift. I can share about the gift. I can tell you how amazing that is to have received this gift. But I cannot give that gift to you. Only Jesus himself could do that. Only him. And he comes to her and says, If you do, if you have an idea, if you need the gift of God, and who is that that is talking to you? So then the other 11 verses, I'm not going to talk about all the 11, but I'm going to talk about 2. And we are going to see what the impact of this gift will make in our lives. I don't know how your life got changed when you accepted Jesus Christ. But in my life, that changed completely. The impact of unpacking the gift was something crazy. And it's so awesome when you come and then you have somebody that comes to you and said, I have a gift to you. But you can only enjoy or use the gift if you unpack the gift. So then this morning, what I want to do is like have us thinking a little bit more of how we can unpack this gift of salvation. What does that mean to us? And how can we share about this specific gift? So the other occasion that we see the same the same word actually this word in Greek it's Dorian. I don't know if we have any Greek person here. Do we, Habibi? So have you heard this word Dorian? Dorian. You see, it's almost the same that I pronounced. Dorian. So this word now Dorian. I've, I was using Google Translator like to help me with the pronunciation, and I just realized I failed so bad. <laughs> Dor- Dorian. Because there is like a, uh, I don't know. But you got it. Dorian. Okay, in a very Brazilian accent way. <laughs> so, I want to talk a little bit about Dorian. I want to talk about this gift of salvation, this impact in our lives. We find the same very word in the book of Acts, chapter 2 verse number 38 let's just open there quickly chapter 2 verse 38 if you don't know that story that it's basically the story when Simon the magician he sees every single thing that it's happening and what the apostles were doing he gets so excited he gets so like overwhelmed with all of that And then he comes to the apostles. Peter goes to see what was happening. He comes to Peter. And then he wants to negotiate the gift. And then Peter says to him. Verse 38. And Peter said to them. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of The Holy Spirit. He comes to Simon the magician. And basically says. What you want cannot be bought. It's not by your effort. It's not by your work. It is a free gift. That only Jesus Christ himself can give. There is nothing you can do. To gain it by force. Or by merit. You have to believe repent and believe it's just there you just have to accept it just receive it so we see that when that happens everyone got just shocked with everything that peter was saying because you're like that doesn't make sense i've learned in my whole life that i have to do in order to receive But here we see a situation when Peter says, you don't. That's for free. And then when we study the book of Ephesians, that makes it so much clearer. Because it's not about us. The story of the Bible. The story of the book of John. It's not about us, but it's about Jesus. The son of the living God. There is no much money you can give. There is no much effort you can give. It's not by your doing. It's a free gift. All that we do, we do based on love, not because we want to receive a reward. It's all based on love. And then, we see that the gift of salvation... He cannot be bought. It's for free. And also the gift of salvation transforms culture. The gift of salvation transforms history. The gift of salvation is available to every single one. No matter the race, no matter the language, no matter the color. The gift of salvation is to every single one of us. And it's amazing, when you do have the gift of salvation, you've gone beyond the wall of hostility. You go beyond hatred. Everything gets transformed. Look what happened. Remember that her question was, why are you you asking for water to me, a woman and a Samaritan? And the Bible says, because the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. When we look at history, we see that the history of hatred between those two people, it was heavy. It was heavy. So could, who could be the one to bring peace to this situation? Now, as Ray was sharing, this, that specific part of the sermon just was coming to my mind. Who can be the one to bring peace to this situation between Israel and Palestine? Who is the only one that can make that happen? It's not political agreements that will bring peace. It's not business agreements that will bring peace. It's not decisions of people in high positions that will bring peace. But the only one that can bring peace to this situation is Jesus. Seven hundred twenty-two before Jesus. The a guy called Sargon II, Sargon II, he conquered Samaria. So if you just like if we just backtrack, we will remember what happened. When Solomon, he did what wasn't good before the Lord's eye, he said, look, there, there will be a division. There will be a problem because of your sin. So then Solomon's son, so he wasn't doing what was great before the Lord. So then after that, the kingdom of Israel gets divided in two. You have 10 tribes that went up north and you have two tribes that came south. So these ten tribes with Jeroboam that went up north, all the kings did what wasn't good before the Lord's eyes. All of them. So then 722 before Christ, they are captured. So the guys from Sargon an Assyrian king came and just made everyone a slave. He just messed the whole thing up in that area. So as he took a lot of people in captive, he left few people there. So his strategy was, okay, I'm going to leave these people here in Samaria. But I won't take everyone, but I'm going to bring different religions. I'm going to bring different languages. I'm going to bring different everything. So I'm going to mix that up the whole nation. So he did that to Samaria. So 500 years later, you had the people from the south that was taken to Babylon. So but 70 years after the prophecy of Daniel, they go back to their land. So the Jews came back. So as they came back, the Samaritans were there. The Jews were there. The Samaritans wanted to do things together to become one people again. But the Jews said, no, we don't want it. So then the Samaritans, they had the urge. They had the thirst to worship the Lord. And then they built a temple in Mount Gerizim. And the Jews built a temple in Jerusalem. But then what happened was that 100 years, I think it's 150, before Jesus Christ, The Jews went to Mount Gerizim and destroyed their temple. And then this guy got very upset. These guys, they were like, what is happening here? So there was a history of a lot of hatred. A lot of hatred. So that's why the Samaritan woman came to Jesus and said, we believe that here's the place we have to worship. And you say that Jerusalem is the place that we have to worship. And then what Jesus says? Woman. Let's read it. Then I'm just opening up here. So. The woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming. And you will worship the Father. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship that you don't know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming. And has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. When the woman comes to Jesus, she comes with all this history, all this hatred, all these walls of culture, all these walls of beliefs. But Jesus was the one. To give her the gift of salvation which was able to break all of that down. She just didn't know that. So she didn't know about the gift. And she also didn't know about the gift giver. And guys, when we do not know a person. We do not know what to expect from this person. When we have no knowledge That's going to affect a lot our attitude, our behaviors, and the decisions we'll make. So this woman, she was talking to Jesus without knowing the gift that he could give. Without knowing who he was. She was talking to him and she was relating to him. Not knowing who she was dealing with. And there was another guy in the Bible that also did the same. But the point he got to know who God is. That changed his whole perspective. So my heart this morning is that as we get to know, as we get reminded the Jesus that you and I serve, the Jesus that you and I worship, we will follow his steps and fulfill his commandments. So remember that Pharaoh, when Moses and Aaron, they come to him and say, let the, pope, the people go because God is saying so. He asks a question. He says, who is the Lord? Who is this God? Why will I let them know? So the fact that we have no knowledge, that doesn't bring you fear. So Pharaoh didn't fear the Lord because he didn't know him. So most of the time, we don't do what we are supposed to do. Because we don't have deep intimacy with the one that is telling us to do. Because if we do know, we will obey. Think with me. I don't know about how you were brought up, but my father, he was, like the way I was brought up was very strict. If he says, be at home at 10 p.m., I knew I had to be at home at 10 p.m. Why? Because I knew my father. And because I knew him, I would fear him. And I would obey. Because if I messed up, would have consequences. And I knew him. So if I know my father, if I know who I'm dealing with, my attitude, my behavior, the things I do or the things I don't do, those things will change. So Pharaoh, he comes, he says, who is the Lord? Why will I obey him? And then he got to know who God was. He got to know. He didn't know, but he got to know. Remember, I just want to to remind you what happened When the ten plagues came. That's not like in the summer, but just like to give you a, (laughs) because that's so exciting. So look how it's amazing when you get the knowledge of something you hadn't before. So Pharaoh comes to him and says, okay, who is the Lord? I don't know who he is. So then I believe that the Lord looked at him and said, okay, let me show you who I am. So for that, we have to understand a little bit of the Egyptians' belief at that specific time. And how was their worldview and how they saw the world, how they saw creation, how they saw the whole thing, how that worked. And it was like, they were, (laughs) that was weird. But that's history, you can just Google there. How was their belief about God? And then I'll just very quickly try to explain to you what was their belief, what was in their mind. So then we will understand how and why the 10 plagues took place. So just bear with me. I'm going to like very quickly tell you about the story of how they believed the world was built, the world was formed. Look at these guys. Look uh, of what they believed. They believed that the whole world was in the beginning a bowl, a bowl of water, a huge bowl of water. From inside this bowl of water, a flower, lotus, is that a flower like that? Lotus? Like a white beautiful one? Lotus? Is that lotus? So a lotus flower came out. And then from this flower, one God came out, which is called God Ha, which they used to say that was the God of sun, the God of life, the guy that was the creator. So that in their mind was the big, great God, God Ha. This guy had two kids. These two kids, one day they were swimming in this whole bowl of water. They were swimming, they got lost. So Ha got upset and got worried. Came to his messenger, angel, whatever the thing may be. said, go and find my kids. He goes, bloop, 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 bloop. Find the kids, go back. When they go back with the kids, Ha gets so happy and so excited that he started crying. So his tears goes on earth. And then from there, mankind was made out of Ha's tears. Doesn't stop there. (laughs) It's heavy. There's more. So then... These gods, they like having kids a lot. So then they start having kids, 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 kids. And then one was mixing with the other. That thing was a whole mess. And each one of those kids, they had specific responsibilities in heaven or in the place they used to live. But there were 10 main gods which they would worship. They had several. But 10 of them, they were like top 10 gods. They were the top 10. So that was what they understood. And then Moses comes to him, let the people go. He says, who is God? I don't know God. I don't know the Lord. Why will I obey him? So then Moses go back, say, God, that's the deal. The guy doesn't believe in you. The guy doesn't think you are God. What can we do? So then God goes and says, okay, go. I'm going to show himself who I am. Then we have the first plague. Who remembers what the first plague was? Sunday school. Sunday school questions. Who remember what was the first plague? The water got turned into blood. They believed that the Nile River was a personification of a God called Hapi. Which was the God of provision. So everything was about the river. They believed that the river was the source of life itself. That's why they used to worship the river. So then the first plague, the first thing that God hits is the river. And then with the plague, God makes a statement. The river is not the source of provision in life. I am the source of life. So then before, Pharaoh didn't know anything about God. But now he started to know. Now the thing is changing. So then later on, we come to the second plague. Who remembers what the second one was? The frogs. The frogs. So they used to believe the goddess of, that was represented by the frog was the one responsible for fertility. So if they want to have kids, they would have to worship this specific God. So at that time, if you would step by mistake on a dog, oh, not dog, on a frog, you could be beheaded. That was how serious they would look at frogs. So... If that wasn't China, it will be different. <laughs> it will be very different. If there's any Chinese here, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you guys like frog a lot. <laughs> so but that's cool. So then these guys they come to this point where they couldn't even walk. And then go on. I won't go to all the ten, but I'm gonna jump to the ninth one. Who remembers which the ninth one is? darkness when you go god by god you're going to see how god is defeating each one of them and making his statements up to the point that he comes to the ninth so then he goes and then everyone believed that the big one the great god was god ha the god of sun the god of life the creator of every single thing so then god goes and think like i think god looked at them and said okay you think that this guy is god hold on a minute so then he goes to the switch of the universe. And he puts the sun off. <laughs> Who can do that? He just switches off the sun. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. He's literally. Bloop. Where he comes again with the statement. He is the creator that has control of every single thing. And then when we remember what Jesus did. Jesus was sleeping on the boat. The storm was going crazy, he goes out, he speaks, and everything comes under his command. Who is the one that has control of the universe? So then they used to believe that every single Pharaoh, they came from an offspring of one of these gods. So then they did believe that Pharaohs, they were divine beings. And then God said, guys, you must believe I am God. If you believe that yourself is God, hold on a minute. I'm going to send my angel. But before he sent the angel, he said, you're going to go, cut the lamb, get the blood, put on the frame of the door. And every single place where the blood is, there will be the gift of salvation. But where the blood is not, death will come in. If you think that you are divine beings, you will perish. There is no salvation without Jesus Christ. This woman at the well, she didn't know who she was dealing with. She was talking to the creator of the universe. She was talking. To the one that John, when he starts his book. And it's amazing that he already starts his book off like big time. He doesn't get like started slowly. And then he goes warming up, warming up, warming up. No, he goes big already. And I love this. He started the book in the very first verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He he just started his book like, guys, that's it. That's it. We're talking about God. When you start reading this book, you're going to start reading this book knowing about who is the person that you're reading about. It's God Himself. That was in the beginning with God, that was God, and then through Him, everything was made. And this woman at the well, she was talking to Him, not knowing, not knowing. How many people around us have no idea about the Lord that you and I serve? How many people around us had no idea or have no idea that inside of us we carry Him? Because He said that He dwells in us. People, they just don't know. So, remember that Jesus, he said, when he goes into the temple, he gets upset with every single thing that was happening there. And then he said, I'm going to destroy it, but in three days, I will rebuild it. And then he rebuilds the temple after his resurrection, which is himself. And he dwells in us. So now, make the math with me. Look at the math. Up to this point, we've been talking about the all-powerful God, the creator, the life giver, the one that transforms, the one that can grant us the gifts of salvation, the one that can take us to eternal life. We are talking about the one that being God, he loved us so much that he came to earth, became flesh to die for me, to die for you. The guy that holds in his hand authority over every single thing. So then we are talking about a God that went through all of that. He rose again in the third day, and he decided to dwell in us. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. First Corinthians 6:19 to 20 says, "Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit?" Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You are not your own. It's like, it's weird, like the English grammar for that, but like you don't belong to yourself, kind of thing. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to Him, which means we have to fulfil and to do what He has told us. And just to wrap it up, I was told two weeks ago—I think that was two weeks ago—at Ray's house that you just started uh, the Book of Acts, right? Studying the Book of Acts. It's being—is that—is that correct? Do I know? So. I recall well. All of that that I said this morning was to come to this specific verse in Acts. All of that was a prep just for this verse that I'm going to read to you right now in the book of Acts. All this talk about Jesus. All this excitement to know that the gift of salvation goes beyond culture and language. The gift of salvation brings down the wall of hostility and hatred. The gift of salvation is available to every single one. The gift of salvation is not something that can be bought, but it's something that is given and given for free. The gift of salvation does not depend on us, but the gift of salvation, it's about Him. We talked about how much John, he presented the book in a way that you may believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is your Savior. All of that that we talked today was to come to this specific verse in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Which says, "But you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. To be witnesses, it means that we are part of what is happening. So, if you go to a court and then somebody is plead guilty or whatsoever, they will call a witness. Usually, this witness is somebody that experienced at some point what had just happened. And that affected that person in some way. So, there is a story in Brazil um, of our organization. You can even, like, if you do, if you're curious to know more about that specific Story that I'm going to share with you right now. And I'm already wrapping up. Um, It is of one girl called Hakani. So what happens is, as you know, in Brazil we have lots of indigenous people in loads of tribes that are unreached places in Brazil. Like we have about 16,000 tribes in the jungle, in the forest, which have not yet heard the gospel. So some of those tribes, they have very problematic rituals and things that they say it's about culture. So one of them is, if you have a kid, like the, the mom has a kid, and this kid is born with any sort of disability, they understand that this baby is cursed. And if this baby lives, this baby will bring uh, curses to the tribe. So what they do, they bury those babies. So if you have twins, they will bury one of the twins. Why? Because one of them is going to be bringing curses to the tribes. So it's a very complicated and sad situation. And I'm not talking to you about a story that I heard from a friend because we were all involved in that at some point. So then what happened was. This kid called Hakani. She was born. And she had some sort of uh, disability. Some neural disability. And her mom. Like the tribe chief, Went and buried her. So the brother. Went to where she was buried. And he just und- undug her. And took her out. And took her to the guys from YWAM. So, because of that, the government of my country said that we are interfering in a cultural matter. That we shouldn't help this sort of situations because that's a cultural matter. And we were saying that that's not a cultural matter because murder is not related to culture. But that became a big thing. And we said that what we were doing, we were doing because we believe and we live based on Jesus' principles. And because we are witnesses of what he had done, he has done. So that's why we take this stand. So, but then the government of my country said that if you do take this stand, you're going to go to jail. That is the burden of a witness. When you partake a specific situation, you become part of the situation. So when you do have the gift of salvation, you become part of this gift. And when you start unpacking this gift, you have a responsibility towards this gift. So then, before Jesus goes, He says, you will receive power to be my witness. You will receive power to unpack the gift of salvation to those that don't have it yet. Even if it costs you suffering. So then these guys, they took a stand and they said, we will not give the kid back. So, the couple that was taking care of the kid. And that sounds weird, but the government wanted this couple, which I know very well, to bring the kid back to the tribe to die. The couple said, how come do you want us to do that? No way. So they found a way to flee with the kid. So then, of course, the department in the government that deals with indigenous tribes, they sued them and they put a charge of kidnapping. So the couple, they cannot go back to Brazil anymore. They fled. They made a way to flee Brazil with the kid. So they fled Brazil. They went to the I think they went to US, yeah? They are in the US, but they cannot step in Brazil again. As soon as they step at the airports, they go straight to jail because the sentence was already given. So, and they will go to jail because they wanted to save a life. So when Jesus said we will rec- receive power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, he was talking about receiving the power to be witnesses and to be willing to pay the price that needs to be paid in order for us to see people around us having the same joy of salvation that you and I, we have. So my... Question to you this morning is, are you unpacking the gifts that once you have received? Are the ones around you aware of the gifts that you have? And are they aware that they can have the same gift that you and I have? But to be a witness, you have to be a partaker. And my prayer is that as you go through the studies of the book of Acts, you can get more and more encouraged. To go out there to proclaim about the gift that once you received for free. Not because you deserved. Not because you came from a cool country. But because he is a loving God. Amen. Amen. Let us pray.